Hi, this is Ashley from The K-Hole. So this episode was recorded just a few days after the 2016 presidential election, so understandably the mood is a little somber. We try not to talk too much about the election during the episode itself so that it'll be more listenable in the future, but at the end we're going to plug a few organizations and causes that could use your support going forward. At a later date, I'll go back and remove this intro. Thanks for listening. Let's get to the episode. Welcome to the K-Hole. People are dying. My name's Ashley Brandt, and joining me this week is special guest Johnny Flores. Hi. You may remember Johnny from his previous appearance on this podcast, covering the season premiere of Robin China, or you may know him from our podcast, Pulp, the podcast based on a true story. This is true. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Thanks for joining us. Have you been keeping up with this season at all? No. I started keeping up with the season, and I was doing a very good job. I came on, I saw the premiere of Robin China, which basically just turned me off to, uh, I did not watch any other episodes of that. I know that there were scenes in this episode that were also covered in Robin China, and I was like, am I gonna go watch... I'm... that's not going to happen. Yeah, I just haven't been keeping up because I have been not doing a very good job keeping up with TV just in general. Well, today we are keeping up with the Kardashians in two episodes. The first is Lord Disick Returns, which aired on October 30th, 2016, and that is the 18th episode of season 12B, and the second episode we will be covering is called Lord of the Cougars, which aired on November 6th, 2016. Uh, As the titles would suggest, both of these episodes heavily feature Keeping Up with the Kardashians' most versatile player, Scott Disick. If I was in uh, in a pool gymnastics class right now, I would probably make a joke about how versatile Scott is. Before we get into this high-quality cougar content, we have some IRL news from the past two weeks to cover. First, but perhaps not foremost, Pascal Duvier, Kim and Kanye's longtime bodyguard of three years, has been fired. Um, as part of a total overhaul of Kim and Kanye's security team. Pascal has been tweeting up a storm as he, I suppose, has been released from the social media blackout that Kim and her staff seem to be under at this time. He is back and working with Fergie and tweeting quite a bit about the negative coverage over his firing if you want to check that out on Twitter or on Instagram. Mm. Speaking of Kim's media blackout, we did see some accidental Kim posts in the first week of November. There was a scheduled uh, sponsored post for Lumi phone cases that went through on her Facebook and was swiftly deleted. Her team said that it was a mistake and she's not ready to come back to social media at this time. However, today, November 
11th, 2016, photos of Kim and North and Saints Halloween costumes were posted on her app. They were dressed as the main characters from Aladdin, although perhaps not the most family-appropriate costume since both Kim and North were Princess Jasmine and Saint was Aladdin. It raises so many questions for me. Just like, this is the woman who last year like redefined Halloween went as herself and this year this year you're like serving some Disney princess bullshit Kim like I expect more honestly and right the dynamics of the family and these characters is it just it was not well executed it does appear to be the same costume that kim wore in 2009 not just the same character but like the exact same outfit from that year okay also fair i mean like my costume was made out of a wig that i've had in my family for like as long as I can remember. We just have this box of wigs for dress up. And so I came up with the entire costume based off of just a wig, so. Great minds think alike. Thank you. Did I just completely flip flop or was I being like a very good Libra the way Kim would be? Speaking of astrology, we had just a rash of Scorpio birthdays in these past few weeks from Kendall Jenner to Kris Jenner to Corey Gamble, apparently, with Caitlyn coming up soon. There is, in fact, a new Scorpio in the mix as Dream Kardashian was born this week on November 10th, 2016. Dream Kardashian is the daughter of Black China and Rob Kardashian. She looks beautiful. She has, like, a full head of hair. She looks like she's doing great. Um, You know, mom and baby seem really healthy and in good spirits. But the wildest thing about this whole situation is not the name, but rather that everyone in Black China's delivery room posed for the mannequin challenge. (laughs) (laughs) Have you not seen that? No, I haven't been keeping up with anything. Brooke Marine actually sent me the video, and it is wild. It's on the K-Hole Twitter, if you haven't seen it just yet. Um, Chris Jenner's in it. China's mom's in it. Rob is in it. Corey Gamble is in it. China's friends are in it. Paige and Treasure. It's truly a sight to behold. And I have to believe that they filmed it after China had already given birth, because there's no way she's holding that pose for... 30 seconds in the middle of labor. I love it. It is one of the most well-executed mannequin challenges I've ever seen, but it is so incredibly over the top. Wow. That actually sounds amazing, though. I love that. And I love China. Like, congratulations. Welcome to this world dream. Um, I'm so sorry that this is your first impression. But speaking of Scorpios, these episodes are full of them. Although Scott is really doing the heavy lifting as a Gemini in both of these episodes, which are 
named after him in one way or another. Lord Disick Returns starts us off with Chloe and Kim trying to orchestrate the return of Scott's alter ego, Lord Disick, uh, which is a more fun, lighthearted, shenanigans-heavy version of Scott that I think the viewers can all agree um, we miss. Truly one of the highlights of the past few years of the show. But the A-plot is really, I think, about Rob ditching MJ's birthday party in San Diego, which is something that we saw on Rob in China that has been sort of reframed in the context of keeping up with the Kardashians. I didn't see how it was covered on Rob in China because, again, after that pilot, just wasn't going to touch it again. So just give me the, like, five-second version. So, my memory of this timeline is a little bit fuzzy because I don't think it actually makes much sense, but as I remember it, Rob and China got into this fight because Rob finally went to this business meeting that he had been flaking on for nine months, and then China just, like, wasn't sufficiently proud of him for, like, fulfilling his obligations, so he, like, started this fight with her and said that she wasn't being supportive and then at the same time was playing this like I don't want to go to San Diego angle and then just suddenly ghosted her and well turned up in Vegas five days later that is the Robin China version yes okay yeah it's presented much differently here yeah in the sense that it's kind of just like Oh, that Rob. <laughs> like, Right, and I think it becomes pretty clear early on that Rob just doesn't want to go to Vegas under any conditions. At first he says he wants to go, but he doesn't want to wear sweats and he doesn't feel comfortable in anything else. So the condition there is he wants to find something that's not his usual black sweatsuit to wear. So Chloe and Kim try to help him out, try to help him find something else to wear. And originally, Chloe says, if you feel comfortable, you know, only wearing sweats to MJ's birthday dinner, I will wear sweats with you. It's fine. It's more important that you're there. So, by the time they get to the wardrobe fitting, Rob doesn't really try anything on. He just says he doesn't really feel comfortable putting any of it on or trying it out. And then, at that point, Chloe switches from, well, it's fine if you go in sweats, to, well, you need to find something to wear that's not sweats. So, the conditions on her part change from, it's more important that you come, to it's more important that you you know, are dressed appropriately for this dinner, whereas Rob's conditions change from, I definitely want to wear something besides sweats, to I only want to wear sweats. So, in either scenario, these conditions that they've set out for Rob attending this dinner are completely incompatible. And to be honest, I sort of suspect that these scenes may have been filmed retroactively or with the thought in mind that these were going to provide an explanation for Rob ghosting the mother of his child and flaking on, you know, his grandmother's birthday dinner. I'm not sure. The events are folding kind of in a very wooden and, like, sloppily choreographed way. Yeah. I don't know. I think... 
that the way that that party plays out, they were definitely like, like I would definitely believe that all of this was shot after the fact as a way to not only salvage the footage of this party, mm-hmm. like, uh, but right as a way to like apologize for a previous depiction of his behavior is that what you're getting at yeah i don't know if apologetic is the right word because rob ends up looking bad in both of these episodes but it seems like rob and china was maybe presenting china's side of the story which was that rob kind of started a fight out of nothing to get out of going to this family event and then on Keeping Up with the Kardashians, it's more about Rob and his insecurities attending this party. But this isn't the first time that we've seen scenes that were on Rob and China re-edited for Keeping Up with the Kardashians or vice versa. I mean, the first example being Chloe's birthday party in which, you know, in the Keeping Up with the Kardashians version, there's a lot of tension with Chloe trying to figure out whether or not she should say hi to China, um, and there being a lot of dramatic buildup to that moment. Whereas in Robin China, they pretty much immediately roll into China arrives, Chloe gives her a hug, and then cuts to China and Rob kind of sitting in a corner, sort of not enjoying themselves, and then leaving the party early. And similarly in Robin China, China attending MJ's birthday was framed much more as China wanting to make up for Rob's behavior and kind of represent the both of them at this family event and in keeping up with the Kardashians you know Rob's sisters kind of ask China well did you do anything um and she's very honest and you know says that Rob started a fight with her for basically no reason to get out of going to San Diego yeah i love how kim just like calls her she's like rob isn't answering his phone i'm just gonna fucking call china because i'm kim i'm a libra like and she calls and yeah china is just like here's exactly what's happening you know that she's right oh yeah there is no question (laughs) china is 100 percent right right and i feel like it's presented more like at that dinner, I felt like everybody's like, oh, Rob's not here. And I get, like, but I didn't think that anybody was actually sad about it. Like, I, the the tension that I got out of that scene was more about, like, China showing up, being like, here are the pictures of my fetus, and just really, like, asserting her place in this family in this event that she like arguably didn't have to go to if Rob wasn't going like this is Chris's mother's birthday like it's not necessary that she attends um and they don't include the fact that China came to San Diego in a Mercedes Sprinter van with her three friends who are presumably just in that van somewhere in San Diego. <laughs> um, actually, inside of that van is probably the best place to be in San Diego. I'm going to be completely honest. 
Have you ever seen Mary Jo Shannon in and around San Diego? Uh, no, but I realized that I, like, recognized the name. Real question, can you find her? Oh, I would definitely probably can. I would love to hear about an MJ sighting. She lives in La Jolla? I think so. Okay. We'll check our Mary Jo Shannon sources and get back to you with some hot San Diego intel at a later date. Um, fun fact about Mary Jo, I thought she was a Cancer at first, but in fact, she is a Leo. She Her birthday is three days into Leo season, so she's not even really that cuspy. No, but she was very much like the, yeah, like the lioness. I totally see that. She has a quiet power about her, and she really has no problem vocalizing how disappointed she is in rob for not attending her birthday dinner she like she's definitely vocal about her disappointment over rob but i also feel like she is just like a plot device like i feel like the entire trip to san diego is treated as a plot device because we like Lord Disick gets to, like, charter a plane, and he gets to, like... True. They do that storyline. They get to have, like, the Rob storyline of, like, this dramatic... Not only did he not come to San Diego, he didn't even stay in L.A. for the weekend. He went to Vegas. Everyone at the party... Like, China shows up and makes everyone at the party aware of her situation with Rob and is like, oh, I'm sorry, was that your spotlight? MJ. Like, this is no longer your party. That's very true. That's a very astute observation. I I feel like she was disrespected by her family. Like, this is not a, a birthday celebration meant for her. Kendall only shows up for the racetrack because... That's the fun part of the birthday party. Yeah. She's like, am I going to go to this dinner? Ooh, that sounds like it's going to be a lot of drama. (laughs) Which, it was. (laughs) But she's like, however, the day at the Del Mar Fair, that would be, like, very nice. And I can say, from experience, a day at the Del Mar Fair can be very fun. And so she just shows up in that off-the-collar look with those, like, retro throwback sunglasses. And she's just like, hello, it's me. It's California. I'm at the horse track race. Uh, Hi, Grandma. Like, she, in this episode, just gave me so much love. I love Kendall. The look that she wore was the perfect look to just drop in and be like, I'm really sorry I couldn't make it to dinner last night, but, like, I am here for this chill day at the horse track race where I just get to look glam and probably, like, steal sips of somebody's champagne. That's so true. That really was a great, if fleeting, Kendall moment, and we're going to see a lot more of Kendall, and in a much more dramatic context in Lord of the Cougars. When 
in the next episode she starts to talk about her anxiety I'm just like oh my goodness it's gonna happen um but you bring up a great point which is that this storyline intersects with the Lord Disick B plot which should be a lot more fun than it actually is Lord Disick was so off the cuff and kind of erratic it feels disingenuous for the show to try to bring Lord Disick back in such a wooden and limited context because first of all they have to dig up the Lord Disick attire and kind of force it upon Scott and then they later move into this sort of self-reflective mode where Scott kind of divides the Lord into two aspects one the ostentatious materialistic aspect of Lord Disick and the other being the um kind of fun spontaneous um not self-serious aspect of Lord Disick I hated all of it to be completely honest with you like it was okay it was kind of sweet when they like showed up with all of the gear like it's wild that they like yeah Chris kept all of that in a box have you seen the OG Lord Disick episodes? I have not. They're right in that sweet spot between Courtney and Kim take New York and Courtney and Kim take Miami where Kim has like just divorced Chris Humphreys. This is really like the golden era of this show. Okay, yeah. Um, and you can't just bring that back, especially like... It seems like, um, you know, he has done so much growth since this period in time. And so for them to kind of just be like, bring that back, um, is maybe not, like, the best request. So then they come up with this whole, like, Duke Disick idea when the Lord is too much. Kim immediately... Kim immediately starts laughing because she then calls it a dookie. God bless her. (laughs) They then, like, right, toss around this idea of, like, okay, you need to, like, right. When we said we wanted the Lord back, you're doing it wrong. They're, like, it's such a weird... We love like you, it. but only conditionally. Ew, why are you going to look at planes? And he also didn't really seem like he wanted to be looking at planes, but was kind of like, what do I do? What would the Lord do? He, I guess he would, like, write by something flashy. Yeah, he used to take such joy in material things i mean materialism is evil and i don't believe that scott has enough money to buy a plane in the first place but the glint was just gone from his eye yes and and that it really like hurt to watch me or it hurt me to watch this episode and him although as i was watching it i was just like this is truly a portrait of like honestly I was thinking about uh, a fucking modern family and how I was like, this is 
a much better show than Modern Family is at presenting, like, the way that families work these days. Or, like, right, like, China showing up at MJ's dinner. Or, like, Kim having to learn how to braid North's hair. C-plot of this episode. It was just like, hey, these are, like, real things that, like, families experience now. And, like, um, right, the world is changing and there's still so much love in between all of these people. And right now in particular, I was watching it and I was just getting very emotional because I was like, it's just so much beautiful. Like, all of the love that's here in this family, despite... Like, the shenanigans and the people not being, like... <laughs> I will say, in the next episode, I was like, oh. <laughs> to some of those ideas. <laughs> we'll talk about that more, but before we do, I want to talk about the C-plot, and I want to talk about North's hair, because as I was watching the episode... You know, Kim hit some really important checkpoints in this journey. She went to a black stylist to learn how to braid mm-hmm. North's hair. She asked Malika and Khadija for advice, which was also the right move. But she kept saying curly when she didn't really mean curly. Because it's not just that North's hair is curly. It's that North is biracial. Right. And because she's biracial, she has this different hair texture that Kim doesn't know how to care for as a white woman. So while Kim hit all of these important checkpoints, and I was so glad that she didn't just, you know, ask Jen Atkin what to do about North's hair, it was strange to see her kind of skirt around the issue of race, um, and in a way sort of whitewash North. Yeah. I was trying to think about, like, is there a reason why, or, like, can I come up with a justification for this decision? And the only one that I could think of was, would to be, like, that Kim doesn't want to, like, make North feel alienated for her hair, or, like something but then as I was thinking about it I was like no because that yeah still just like doesn't confront the reality there's no good and it's so weird because Kim has talked about race before specifically with regards to her kids like she wrote that Black Lives Matter post on her website where she talked about being the mother of black children she's talked about kind of how she sees racism more now as the mother of black children but this whole storyline was kind of reminiscent of this moment when kim was pregnant with north and she was actually talking to scott about choosing a stroller for her unborn child and she had this kind of beige tone nude stroller and she said it was going to match the baby's skin which is a weird thing in and of itself (laughs) but you know it was scott who had to say you know your child is going to be biracial. Your child is going to have probably darker skin than than that. Which just makes the editing for this C-plot even weirder because 
in that scene with Scott originally with the stroller, you know, it was edited to kind of point at Kim's ignorance and thoughtlessness in that episode. So the show doesn't really have a problem going there and neither does Kim. So it just seems like a very glaring omission. Yeah. And I also feel like I, I think it's something that Kim is like aware of and comfortable acknowledging. I just wonder if it's like played this way honestly just like as to not alienate the audience I don't necessarily want to say that like the average viewer of Keeping Up With The Kardashians is like not aware of these societal forces I mean the thing is like it's it's E like you know this this channel as a whole has a very like white viewer base that you know ultimately maybe isn't tuning into E to learn or to be educated as much as they're just tuning in to be entertained. So I don't know if it's that kind of editorial decision. I'm not sure. Right. But, right, I don't necessarily want to say that Kim is, like, the one who is not acknowledging why her daughter has a different texture of hair. And, like, right, recognizing that it's something that she needs help. And she goes to the right people for help. Um, Because, right, like, I can imagine that being a major uh, obstacle or, like, something that as a mother feeling inadequate uh, about that. Like, I think she mentions it briefly and I, like... I really identify with that. I don't know. They also talk about North's violin lessons, which I thought was really sweet. Yes, I'm so glad that she's, like, a character on the show now. Um, I almost put her in the power rankings. I might have to go back and add her in. I will say Kim was like very proud of those braids in a way that was a little bit like okay when they're in San Diego and she's like did you did you notice the braids? Yeah, I was also confused about why she couldn't french braid because that seems like a very basic skill. But moving on, the second episode that we're talking about today is entitled Lord of the Cougars, and as the title implies, it features Scott Disick prominently in an A-plot revolving around his newfound kinship with Chris's peer group. It also features a lot of cross-promotional synergy with other major reality show brands. Yes, this episode is also complete bullshit, and I hated it. I came... I came off of such a high that was Return of Lord Disick. Like, that episode, I was like, I had so many feelings about it. I was like, this is why this is the perfect television show. This is why this is, like, amazing. This is exactly what I needed to, like, get my head back on straight. You know, reset. This is, this is the distraction I need from the cruel world outside of my computer screen that has very rudely become a part of my computer screen. Anyway, 
This episode, I was watching it and I was just like, I take back everything I said. Here's what happens in this episode. Chris, upset that she has been upstaged in the previous episode by everyone just being like, we really don't give a shit about this trip to San Diego, takes it out on her whipping boy, (laughs) Scott, who she forces to come hang out with all of her friends, including a, like, trapdoor surprise aqua aerobics class. Which, why he was willing to go hang out at her pool anyway is, like, something that I have questions about. He says that he was tricked into attending when Chris invited him to swim at her pool, which doesn't seem like a thing that adults do. That's normal. Right. After this surprise pool party that's actually a jazzer or whatever it is, pool aquatics, with an instructor who's laying it on thick with the... Innuendo. He decides, like, hey, these aren't the people I want to spend all my time with. Like, I just came back. I'm Lord Disick again. Like, the Lord is still here. He's in my heart. Um, do I immediately want to, like, hang out with a bunch of postmenopausal women? Like, no, this isn't necessarily my peer group. And then Chris is like, I'm very offended that you don't want to hang out with me anymore. Scott then apologizes in classic Kardashian fashion and is like, you know what? Chris was right all along. I love hanging out with her friends. It's so great that they're just so welcoming to me. My ex-wife's mother's friends are so kind. These are exactly the people I meant to, like... That's it's poor, poor Scott is all I have to say about this episode. He's not Lord of the Cougars. He is a mewling chihuahua that has gotten lost in a cougar's den. That's the A plot. The B plot is Kim and Kendall both have anxiety. And then they go see a medical professional who says, have you ever just tried, like, not having anxiety? (laughs) It's really cool. Give it a try. You know other people don't feel anxious, right? (laughs) And then Kim is just like, oh, wow, I'm cured. And Kendall is a little bit like, um, you know, I don't know. It seems like maybe a Clonopin subscription might, (laughs) prescription rather. (laughs) But right, she's a little bit more skeptical and then they're like okay but what if we do it but meditation style which is basically somebody again just repeating like have you tried not having anxiety but doing it slowly and like with that timbre in your voice that like uh meditation timbre i don't know what school it's tied to it definitely wasn't zen meditation Kendall is like, you're right, I can get on a plane and go make my mother her 10% on all of these gigs that she won't let me (laughs) not attend. (laughs) These gigs that I told her to cancel, and then she was like, what? I didn't cancel them. (laughs) 
There's actually a lot to deconstruct here. Let's start at the top because there are a lot of cameos from famous names and faces among Chris Jenner's casual group of casual friends. <laughs> It was so good to see Faye Resnick. Right. Chris's BFF, Faye Resnick, Kyle Richards from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Yeah, the actress who was sitting directly across from Scott. Right. Just some women who all happen to make their livelihood in reality TV gathering for this standing weekly high tea that we've never heard of before. And then by the time we get to water aerobics, the circle has expanded to include Heather McDonald of Chelsea Lately, Fame, and Feuds. I don't know if they're maybe trading cameos and we can expect to see Chris and Scott on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills or whatever Heather McDonald has cooking up, or I don't know, maybe Faye Resnick is finally getting a reality show. I'm not sure, but there's something it is a going on here. Wild fucking ride. It did seem like maybe they're testing the idea of like a holiday variety show like i mean i'm not a real housewives fan but i would watch that moving on to the b plot though kendall's sleep paralysis seems like a real problem that maybe yeah that's some scary fucking shit right compared to kim sometimes being nervous when driving on the highway i mean so when she's first talking about it, it seems like Kim's anxiety is kind of more, like, generalized and more just about, like, oh, now that I'm a mother, I'm, like, more just, like, aware of the world around me and, like, the way that things could go wrong. And then, like, she gets on the phone with Chris and Chris is like, this is just like Kendall's sleep paralysis thing, which is also, like... If I had sleep paralysis, I wouldn't necessarily want you, like, telling everyone, Mom, A, and B, like, no, this isn't the same thing. Right, and then Kim gets in the car with this awful therapist for this exposure exercise, and it is just so apparent that Kim is so sick of interacting with this person that the whole time they're driving, Kim is just like, yeah, you're right, I'm fine, get out of my car. Kim is at peak Libra in both of these episodes. I I was like, this is, we truly are both Libras. This is, I, yes. All of it. I also felt a kinship with Kim as they were trying to wrap up Kendall's storyline, apparently without prescribing anti-anxiety medication to her. (laughs) And they were going to do meditation, and Kim was just like, You know, I usually hate meditation. And I was like, honestly, same. And again, that wasn't real meditating that they did. A white lady came to their house. They sat on a pillow. Like, I just really want to be clear with everyone. Right. And like the actual practice of meditation or a good anti-anxiety medication, there is one more unacknowledged truth in this episode, which is that I believe Kris Jenner is not actually Kendall's manager, at least not her only manager. 
Now, it's never really acknowledged in the show, but if you look back when Kim and Kendall are at Skybox, which is that um, glass slide on a high-rise in downtown LA, they were sitting with this um, woman with kind of a Carmela Soprano haircut. So that same woman was also at the launch of Kylie's lip kits. And if you remember, she was kind of running the show there. And she was also at the Cosmo cover that the whole family appeared on last year, telling Kris Jenner that Kendall couldn't appear on the cover because it actually conflicted with another one of her contractual obligations. Good for Kendall. Right, but they still have to pretend like Kris Jenner is at the reins of Kendall's career because the storyline is that Kris Jenner is this prolific, underappreciated momager to her five daughters. Oh, man. I just, I love it. I love that they added that in there to make you think that, yeah... Why would... Uh, okay, whatever. I understand why you would want to play that character. I mean, I think if Chris ever retired, she would die. Like, There's some additional Chris Jenner revisionist history going on as they wrap up Kim's storyline when she's looking back at her old photo albums and talking about how her dad lived life to the fullest and how she has all these great memories with him and she wants to you know, have the same for her kids and not have her anxiety kind of overshadow their time together. And Chris is with her and ever since Chris and Caitlin divorced, Chris has really (laughs) more than ever looked back on her marriage to Robert Kardashian Sr. with such fondness you would think she had never cheated on him and then divorced him. Yes. That big house is gonna go completely great gardens. Wait, tell me more. Is there a little Edie? It's gonna be Gabbana. Wait, but Gabbana lives with Chloe now. Well, right, but this is clearly years in the future. Like, a house does not gray garden overnight. That's true. I mean, every time we see Gabbana, I'm still surprised that she's alive and kicking. Maybe she's an immortal time-traveling being like Ryan Lockheed's dog that's turned eight every year for the past three years. That's what I'm saying. At some point, she's just going to get shipped off to like keep Chris company. Corey Gamble is the young repairman. Chris, right, won't. She'll just have the groceries delivered. The house is falling into disrepair. Oh my god. <laughs> Bringing up the mimosas. Kim is the Jackie O of this situation. Oh, she definitely is. She like shows up and she's like, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> People can see you. <laughs> so when we first started Pulp, before I started watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians... And I think it was, like, the first episode we were recording. You mentioned something about how much they love to bring up Robert Kardashian on Keeping Up with the Kardashians. And I was in such a... I, like, couldn't believe it. Like, I didn't think it would be something that they would want to, like... Like, a token that they would just keep sticking in the vending machine and then, like, yanking the string and it comes back out. 
But they are pull out a fucking photo album or just like oh, put some strings in there. Talk about how things would be different if Robert was alive. Boom. Like emotional needs met. There's like a 50-50 shot that Robert Kardashian Sr. comes up in that clip from next week's episode where Chris starts crying at the drop of a hat. But we'll have to wait till next week to see what that's about. In the meantime, let's get to power rankings. Power rankings. Okay, so you told me that I had free reign over power rankings. So for this first episode, Return of Lord Disick, bottom of the pile is MJ. She, as I stated earlier, is like, nobody is there for her birthday. Everyone is there because it's a plot point. Um, And there's really nothing she can do. Coming in just above MJ, I had Rob, but then I crossed it out and decided it was Chris. Because she, like, puts all of this effort, and she's, like, really trying to plan a lot of the things in this episode. And ultimately, this trip to San Diego is, like, again, nobody respects the trip. Um... And I'm actually thinking that she should maybe be lower than MJ, because MJ, like, didn't even have to put in effort into planning it or, like, leaving the city that she lives in. Um, just above that is Rob, who is just, like, dumb throughout this episode. Um, he exercises some power in his like really petty like blocking everyone and managing to make an entire situation about himself in his absence but ultimately as soon as everybody comes back to LA he like can't even fucking stand his ground like that's the fucking thing if you're gonna block everyone in your family you have to fucking stick to that shit Rob you can't just be like Oh, was it only while you were out of town in San Diego? So, that's why he doesn't have any fucking power. Um, So, that's everybody in the negative power. I don't... Like, you guys don't ever acknowledge this, but I feel like there's a very clear line between the, like, negative power and positive power. Um, So, that's where the line is. That's zero. We're now, like, on the other side of the number line. Uh, so we've got Kendall, who doesn't really do anything, but again, show up and look fabulous. Uh, Lord Disick is up next because he does, like, charter this plane and, like, kind of get his life back together. But it's, or not get his life back together, but, like, he manages to kind of shake off some of the, the moss on his beard. Like, I feel like... He, yeah, he, like, he livens it up a little bit. Um, up next is Courtney, who spends the first half of the episode being, like, I'm taking the kids on vacation without you. And, like, good for her for setting that boundary. And then she spends the second half of the episode Mm -hmm. just, like, witnessing a lot of drama 
and being like, fuck this, I'm like, I'm not getting involved. Like, it's extremely Courtney. Up next are Kim and Chloe. Kim higher up than Chloe, but I feel like the two of them really teamed up to get a lot of the stuff going on in this episode. They worked in tandem uh, between the two of them, both in the Rob storyline and in the Scott storyline. Kim, like, learning this new skill, I think gives her a slight advantage over Chloe. Um, in addition to the fact that she's the one who, like, really closes the deal, uh, with Rob, she, like, gets on the phone, and then she's just like, oh, you don't have clothes? Guess what? We're the fucking Kardashians. We'll get you a stylist. Like, that's not a fucking excuse. Like, she calls him on his shit, and then is like, oh, oops. No, it's because you're fucking Rob and you're, like being a man baby uh and she's also so direct when she just calls china so like power to that but ultimately number one top of the heap i think is black china this week uh for showing up to that fucking birthday party immediately making it about like her and rob which like i love it i love that she didn't have to go. I love that she's, like, being so petty with Chris. Um, I just, I think it's a master class in being polite in the most, or, like, being impolite in the most polite way possible. And I loved, I loved it. It was truly inspiring to watch. Um, when everybody says, like, it's so kind of you to come. Chris says, like, so kind in a way that is just dripping with that Scorpio venom, and you, and it's, There are just so many fixed signs in that room. Because China's a Leo, right? No, China's a Taurus, and MJ's the Leo. Oh my god. Of course she's a Taurus. Ugh. And then off camera is Rob's little mutable water sign self. It's a mess. And then for the second episode, it's Chris, Kim, Kendall, and Scott. Oh, and I did that in the opposite order. But Chris is at the top because she forces Kendall and Kim to do their thing. uh, And takes revenge on Scott. She says she's the only one who has any real positive power in this episode. So those are my power rankings. I think you nailed it, especially with the negative power rankings. You know, we don't acknowledge it, but there is usually a neutral line, and it is usually around Chloe. (laughs) Although I do have to say she has returned to prime form in these most recent episodes, and she really looks poised to reclaim her title as the most relatable Kardashian. Yeah, I've got her, like, way above the... uh the zero line and with that said it is time for plugs if you have enjoyed 
this episode of the K-Hole, please feel free to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at the K-Hole Podcast, where we've been retreating a lot of good Kardashian content, including the latest news about Dream Kardashian. We also have a Facebook page, the K-Hole Kardashian Podcast on Facebook. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ashley Brandt. Recently unlocked my account. And you know who else's account is unlocked? Brooke Marine at B-R-K-M-R-N on Twitter. If you are missing her during her hiatus, I highly recommend you follow her on Twitter. She is going to be back after the Thanksgiving holidays. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I have been Johnny Flores. Uh, You can catch me on Pulp, the podcast based on True Story, which I host with Ashley, uh, or on Twitter, at at Lil J Flores. Yeah, and you guys should really listen to Pulp because we have some good stuff coming up. We're going to be talking about JonBenet Ramsey, which we've been waiting to talk about for, I don't know, like nine months? Yeah, we've got some good stuff coming up. If you are distressed about the possibility of the worst year of everyone's life, 2016, extending into the next four years of everyone's reality, then I really want to encourage everyone to get involved with the 2016 midterm elections, during which all of the seats in the House of Representatives are going to be up for election, as well as 33 Senate seats. Taking control of the House and the Senate will give us the opportunity to prevent Donald Trump from passing legislation. There are also 36 gubernatorial elections taking place in 2018, and this is super key because whoever wins these terms and is serving a four-year-long governorship is going to have the opportunity to redistrict the state that they are governing in light of uh, the 2020 census. So what that means for a state like Michigan, where I'm from, there's been a huge decrease in population with the fallout from the auto industry. So Michigan is actually poised to lose a seat in the House of Representatives. So if there's a Republican governor in office, that means that Michigan will be redistricted such that a Democratic district that tends to elect Democratic representatives at the national and federal level would most likely be lost. And if a Democratic governor is in place, then we would have the opportunity to preserve those strong Democratic districts. This is also important because there will not be another opportunity to redistrict likely until 2030. So 2018 is going to be key. And in the meantime, it's important to get involved with organizations like the American Civil Liberties Union, the Anti-Defamation League, the Center for Reproductive Rights, Council on American-Islamic Relations, as well as Planned Parenthood, the NAACP, the Southern Poverty Law Center, and the Mexican-American Legal Defense and Education Fund. These organizations are going to be doing a lot of heavy lifting in the next four years, and in order to preserve our civil rights and liberties, they're going to need our help. I would also just like to say that in addition to donating, which is obviously very important, now is the time to look into things like VPN and Tor. On Pulp, we did an episode about Snowden, which like, this is not the time for plugs, but if Edward Snowden has taught us anything, it's that the government 
has at its hands some very incredible tools for tracking us. And now that Donald Trump is in charge of those tools, uh, learning more about cybersecurity is probably a good idea. I've seen a couple good explainers. I'll find one to retweet. That is my piece of advice for staying safe in addition to taking action. All of that being said, this has been The K-Hole. Don't be fucking rude.